This episode of the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series was brought to you in part by our Portal Maker patrons, Griffith Locke and Leona. We couldn't do this show without folks like you. Thank you. Welcome to the Aegis, Ecolite. We have so many portals, so many wondrous things to show you. But today, I think this one will be perfect. Welcome to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series, where we talk about all the age, all the time. My name is Ren, and we have a couple of very special guests on with us today. Uh, a couple of the cast and crew of the Abraxas Precipice actual play for the Expanse role-playing game. Uh, welcome, folks. Uh, we've got two folks on here. Um, you can probably see, uh, for those of you who are joining us live, you can probably see them on the screen. Uh, would you folks like to introduce yourselves? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, I'm John Baltina. Uh, I'm the Game Master of Avarox's Precipice. Uh, that's all I got. Perfect. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Michael Shum, and I play um, Onyx Mundus on the show. Excellent. I do love your folks' show. I've mostly caught up, or at least the stuff that okay. uh, is on YouTube. Okay. I have a very almost everything then. Yeah, I've got a particular yeah. setup at work. Uh, Twitch apparently does not let me listen to the stuff while uh, my phone is locked, and I can't have my phone out at work. So, uh, whatever's on YouTube, uh, I can just listen to while I'm working. Nice. Nice. You folks have got an excellent show. I'm having a lot of fun listening to it. Thank you. Yeah, you folks do good work. Uh, so, Thank you. Uh, I've got you folks here for a little while. Um, before we go in too far, uh, I'm going to make a quick shout out to our fellow uh, portal makers in the D20 radio. Uh, this episode, we're going to be sending a shout out to one of our favorite places of dark education, the Miskatonic University podcast. This podcast, focused on the Call of Cthulhu and similar horror games, will teach you things that you cannot unlearn. They are also one of the giggliest podcasts that I listen to. Go figure. Uh, the faculty, keepers Bridget, Dave, and Murph, uh, <laughs> are delights to listen to, and they'll expand your mind of the cosmos to the cosmos of Chaosium and more indie developers who give us avenues to battle the things we don't understand. Expect them to bring on guests about their exploits in spooky role-playing games and talk about creating your own content, building campaigns, and so much more. We'll be providing a number of links in our show description so that you can also uh, get your Cthulhu on. Uh, it'll give you access to their website and their Patreon if you'd like to support them, and of course, the email uh, that you can use to contact them if you'd like to recommend show topics or ask them questions. Uh, and as an honorable mention... Uh, we are also going to mention the Me and Steve Talk RPGs, uh, because they featured me on their show. It was very exciting. It was technically our second attempt to record. Uh, our first one was uh, troubled, so uh, I got to do two takes of an interview. That was exciting. But uh, we're not here to talk about me. We're not here to talk about uh, uh, other shows, at least not for our main show topic. Uh, today's lesson from the Nexus is... Our good friends at the Abraxas Precipice, Abraxas's Precipice, actual play. We've got uh, we've got two of the members uh, who manage to uh, keep the Sinclair flying. Uh, so thank you, folks, for coming on. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Would you folks like to tell me uh, what the uh, what is Abraxas Precipice? Okay. Uh, so. Avarx's Precipice is a the Expanse role-playing game actual play uh, stream 
uh, we broadcast on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, is based in the Expanse universe, uh, which is kind of uh, with the RPG itself is really interesting because it, it, it's the, the Expanse is a book series slash TV series, and the the role playing game itself is put up at Green Run Publishing, uh, uses the Age system, and it is officially the RPG is actually based on the books, not the TV show, um, which is really interesting. But we kind of blend the two, and honestly, the two kind of blend over time a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, that's what kind of it is. We're we're all kind of enjoy the show. We enjoy the books. We enjoy that that whole scenario. And I, I've been a big fan of the show since it started. Uh, and I've been enjoying the books since then too. And I wanted to. I really like the hard edge sci fi of it. So the expanse is that takes place about the year twenty thirty fifty, and it's largely at this point humans have like colonized a pretty good portion of the solar system. Uh, there's major settlements on Earth. Obviously, Earth is still there. Thirty billion people. And then you have Mars, which is a few billion people. And then you have quite a few people living in the belt. Uh, and then some people live on the moons of Saturn, uh, Jupiter, uh, as far out as, I think, Uranus, actually, there's a colony. Um, and it's about the, the conspiracies and political, ter- uh, political issues that are going on in that huge the expanse and kind of the, the mix-ups that start happening and occurring. Um, but it's a very hard sci-fi. There's not a lot of, like... Um, fantasy to it or like like really weird tech everything's very based in reality um and and because of that it's a lot uh, it's pretty gritty in that regard i have only managed uh, full disclosure i have only finished the first book but i but okay. i have enjoyed enough yeah i've been enjoying what i've been reading the, yeah actually our our current game takes place um right now it's before the eros incident which if you've watched the show or seen the or read the books like that's a big occurrence of the eros incident yeah, That's it's... kind of the game, the, the thing that changes everything was what they literally say. And right, and I, that was a major thing with our role playing game was that, or when I, when I started putting this together, was um, by default, the role playing game takes place like between that and Caliban's War, those two books, the, the first book and the second book. But I wanted to have it where uh, the, the kind of schmucks of the solar system, like how they kind of respond to the stuff occurring. The people on the sidelines, because everybody knows about this thing. Like everybody knows about the Eros incident. If you watch the show, trust me, it's a big, it's a big deal. Kind of, it, yeah. I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's it's the Eros incident. <laughs> that James Holden. That's James Holden. <laughs> that James Holden. I really did. Yeah, we, we uh, had him again, haven't we? Haven't we, Michael? Where you guys know who James Holden is? You guys have seen him on like the broadcast. Yeah, we've we we just seen the broadcast and um that's pretty much yeah, yeah but, we've just know them tangent like on the outskirts but yeah we haven't like run into yeah that. and like the dodger was destroyed and and like that's been kind of a thing that's been it's been more prevalent for you guys that like the dodger was destroyed than like james holden's whole weird yeah thing yeah uh... yeah exactly the dodger forever that's right dodger forever <laughs> You got that episode, all right. <laughs> <laughs> is that how we say it? Uh, Donager? Or is it, or is, I, I was also saying it like Doniger. I think it's Donager. And that's how I say it on the show, at least, I think. Okay. I'd be willing to take the show's word for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I was hoping that this part, this little question would take a little longer. Um, but I was going to ask you folks about the characters that are taking part. Uh, and we have one of the players here. Uh, Michael, would you like to tell us about your character? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm playing Onyx Mundus, and um, I'm playing a Belter. And he's from Ceres Station. And um, he's kind of a, he's an outcast, sort of fringer type. So um, it's been really hard to find out any information about him um, in terms of like other characters, you know, knowing his background. But on the ship, yeah, I'm kind of the uh, mechanic, fix it all. Um, I enjoy drinking motor oil, growing, uh, you know. I am concerned and, about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm really into fungal curds and and stuff like that, and the Belcher burrito, which uh, we managed to invent with the help of Ross, our special guest that that episode. Oh my. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and in terms of uh, description wise, I mean, he's kind of this. Uh, Sort of imagine him as a sort of lanky, tall, lurch kind of fella um, versus Jackrabbit, who's another character on the show. And she's she's really tiny. So we kind of have this um, complete opposite look. But um, yeah, and um, he had an early we did a little background episode, me and John, on um, 
Onyx. So that was kind of fun because um, as we were playing, I feel like the, we're building the characters out. So I didn't really come with too much preconceived, just some some ideas. And all, oh yeah, I gotta mention also that he strangely I rolled his background that he was he wanted to be an artist, which and he was a bohemian and he started broke, which strangely parallels my actual life yeah. because I'm an artist and I'm <laughs> art imitates life. So so that was fun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, and so his dynamic with the rest of the, the crew members are pretty, I mean, I'm pretty much like helpful. And I, you know, I'm a little suspicious of suspicious of Martians and stuff, so forth. But for the most part, they're kind of the only family that that he knows. So he, he's just with them on this journey. Bring this back to the to the actual like game. So so we're talking about Michael and the and the crew and the people that are playing. So there's, there's Michael, uh, Donna, uh, Sam and Scott um, are all playing. Michael actually uh, and Sam actually both played in my my beta game, if you will. Like I, I ran a game of the Expanse over Zoom uh, prior to doing a press because I wanted to kind of see how it played out. And uh, actually, uh, did you did you play that one? You played that one, Michael, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah you played, you played, you played, you played Onyx, right? Yeah, I think that's where because yeah, because yeah, when we started, you were level when we started, I was session, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then and then Sam played in that one too, but played a different character, um, mm -hmm. and and she wasn't really sure what she wanted to do, but she really settled on Jackrabbit, um, really well with it too. But yeah, we played a we played a beta game kind of to try to test it, see how it played out beforehand, and then we started looking and like getting people to come play with us. And we kind of opened it up. Um, Scott's someone I've known for a while. He he's been a big supporter of my company, Cauldron and Tower, um, for a long time. And then um, we had Lauren on. Lauren's been a friend, and she was playing with us. But uh, she she left the show. For those who are interested, we talked about this last episode. But, like she left the show because uh, she got she applied for a job like right when we were starting the show, and she got the job. Mm. And we're all like, yeah, cool, man. Go you know go get your money. Like I, I don't blame you. I, I can't. I can't. We're not going to pay you what they pay you. So, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, so that that's super cool for her. And then Donna was actually the one person I didn't know before the show. Um, gotcha. And she's also become like our biggest supporter and been super cool. And I think um, uh, their their big Donna's big thing was that like they really liked how um, my my interview questions and how open I was about stuff and uh, felt I was pretty I was really inclusive with with elements too. So that was actually worked out really well. Um, and Don has been super helpful to us, like by far above and beyond. Yeah, yeah. You run a very excellent action scene, I gotta say. Yeah, thank you. I, <laughs> I mean, I've been playing role playing games for. Started playing D and D when I was nine, so like I've been playing Ooh. for all, over thirty one years now. And so, uh, and I teach a class at the University of California on tabletop role playing games. Um, and I, you know, I have a lot of experience with it, and uh, I run my own home games like that too, but. When I will say this, like when it like this is actually a, a kind of a big element about like we're talking about the age system because that's what the, the, the podcast is about. So I first started playing the age system when Dragon Age came out, the the role playing game back in uh, 2010, I think it was, and um, that was I, I when I was playing that, that was when Fourth Edition D and D was out, and we were playing Fourth Edition D and D. And Fourth Edition D, &D we had fun with it; it was okay. But then we, we picked up the Dragon Age game, and we actually had a lot more fun with it. And we viewed I viewed Dragon Age. Uh, that system and the age system as a much more like fluid narrative system versus uh, fourth edition, which was trying to do is kind of war simulator, like weird war game thing at the time. And so I kind of viewed Dragon Age as more of like, like, okay, like Dungeon Dragons is like my blockbuster summer movie where Dragon Age was like my artsy film. <laughs> and so you're laughing, you're laughing, Michael, but you know it's true. And so sure. when, I, yeah. when I'm running expanse like it's fast because like i make it fast um i've actually got uh so we had satine phoenix on uh a while uh, a few episodes ago and she's been a friend of mine and actually the funny thing about satine is that the first games i played with her was i ran dragon age for her back in 2010 at meltdown comics in hollywood and so yes. um that was a fast game she i remember she liked how fast it was versus D, &D at the time she liked there was like dynamic it had action but it, it could be descriptive and narrative with it and uh, after she played on the Expanse with uh, with Jameson, uh, her husband, she they really were like they really liked how fast I kept the game going. 
um, that I didn't stall up. I don't worry about rules. I'm more concerned with the storytelling than anything. And that, that's been my, my thing. The other thing too about this game is that like we say it's going to be two hours. I try to keep it under two and a half hours. Like, um, so I, I, I have kind of a, and I actually do um, much how this podcast has a kind of outline. I have an outline for my games too. Very good. Of like kind of general scenes I want to hit. That's always so. a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always appreciated for me if I actually have some notes to go with. But uh, Dragon Age is an yeah, excellent um, place to start. It's uh, it's where uh, we started with our uh, with our age games. We ran a, a multi year Dragon Age campaign. Went from level one to twenty, and uh, wow. <laughs> we we got wow. lucky enough. Yeah, we got lucky enough that at the very end, one of the players who had to step away because she moved to Chicago, we managed to. Uh, we managed to uh, Skype her in for the very end, very final battle. I surprised the other players with it. It was a lot of fun. That's cool. But yes, Dragon Age, excellent age game. Uh, and obviously it has so, endured uh, to give us the Expanse eventually. Yeah, so one of my questions about that is, so one thing about the Expanse system is it uses that, I, don't, I think Dragon Age still uses hit points, right? It does. It does? Okay. Yeah, so, so the Expanse uses that fortune system. Have you looked into that and how that works? It's really cool. Like I actually like it a lot. I have looked into it. It is. It's very, very different, but I like it. It's. Uh, it's definitely feels like it's much more. It. It puts a lot more of the game's focus on the narrative. I think just by like how you describe it and even just like how it's named. Yeah, we. So what's what's interesting about that system to me, the fortune system, and then you have like, the wounds and injuries and stuff like that, is that. It reminds me a lot, like a, a lot of um, Wizards of the Coast version of Star Wars role playing game, mm. which used it had vi- it had vitality points and wound points, and so wound was actual damage you took, or vitality was kind of like how worn out you were, and so it was kind of a cool system. Um, like your wound points were equal to your constitution, but then your vitality points went up in levels, and that's where you drew in your Jedi powers and do kind of cool stuff. So it's kind of a pool of resources. So this game reminds me a lot of that. Um, but it's been, but I also like that like and, and Onyx is the one that 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 pushes the freaking thing constantly because like <laughs> he took the bonus fortune at first level instead of like the extra yeah. money or or you know affiliation or whatever it is so he's always burning through fortune to modify his rolls and uh, and then you get shot and you're like well, why did I die like <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah it's saved my skin so many times definitely yeah, I'm glad I just want to ask you Michael while we're here what do you think of that fortune system. You know, I, I mean, I, I like it. I, I think, you know, the way it's interpretive, like when we play it, you know, I should have died, but there's also this, these other things that are working in that just, you know, they're here, they're kind of heroes of the game. So they have an extra, you know, added chance or success because space is just really violent and brutal and, and you wouldn't really survive. So, so I, I enjoy it. I think it's a really quick way of, of doing it too. The one part of the expanse that I've looked at closest uh, has been the starship combat rules because mostly because I intend to steal them from my own game, uh, which involves airships. Oh, nice! That makes sense. Yeah, I think it would be fun, like Zeppelin combat or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. We're we're getting just a little bit closer to like um, fantasy starfighters, just a little bit. Yeah, we, the 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 ship combat system is is really keen. I like it because everybody kind of participates in it. Like, can yes. do something. Um, when we we ran a, our last episode, we had we had a piece, and um, Onyx didn't get to do much, but that's because your ship didn't get hit, mm-hmm. and that's what it really comes down to. You would have been more involved if the ship started taking on damage or getting hit. Oh, but you gotcha. were, but so you I were running around. Yeah, you were just in the in engineering, you know, hanging out and like waiting for something to go wrong to fix it, but nothing was going wrong. Well, I've I've also noticed that too. That's a that's a kind of a big element when you watch the show. Like a lot of times with ship combat, it's more of the threat of violence than the actual violence, because um, it's so lethal. Yeah, those those rounds will tear through your ship pretty dang fast. I do like absolutely. Uh, I do like how very kind of quick and dirty the starship combat rules are. It, it feels like it's appropriate. Yeah, I do yeah, like how the torpedoes, when we fired the torpedoes, it took like, you know, an entire, it took a while to actually yeah. end. We had to wait for it. Yeah, there's that kind of element of how, like, it, 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 uh, they, you have to kind of look for the space and how, how the distances are huge. I mean, close range in that game is like, like 100 kilometers, something like that. It's, it's pretty damn far still. So these distance, that's a bit of a big thing to understand about that is distances 
how communications takes time. Um, there's no real instant communication across the solar system. It's still going to take an hour, you know, an hour or something to get back. Uh, the travel time is really cool. Um, so you have to kind of like that's a big thing too with, with the game. I have to think I have to think about the players and like it gives them time to flesh out their own like hobbies and their own personalities and their own interests when you have like the interludes. So when the ship's traveling from like Mars or from 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 Jupiter to Mars, that's like you know ten days. Um, that I, I gotta say too, the big thing about the game I've learned a lot about is like I learned a lot about space and how big stuff is. So like I didn't I never knew that as a kid. Like I learned all the planets, but like. I didn't know like the, the the distance between Jupiter and the Sun is almost equal to the distance between Jupiter and Saturn. Oh, so like I mean, it's a map. It's it's that's unbelievable to me. Like there's those huge spaces. So yeah, it's it's like that movement is just so vast. Yeah, no kidding. And then we're crushing ourselves just to try and go through it faster. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just had a I just had a talk about that with uh, someone on um, Twitter. They were asking Green. They actually asked Green Room and me for some reason. I don't know why they asked me. But they're asking like how to handle like high G burns for long distances, and I was like, well, I would have them make like these stamina checks every hour or something like that because like you know pace it out. But yeah, we're talking about doing like a five G burn between like or like a seven G burn between like uh, Jupiter and Mars or what that would take, and how how harsh that would be on your body, Um, and it would you know tear you apart. But like uh, I mean, the human body can take like a forty G burn for a very brief amount of time. Um, like, you know, a few seconds, but it's not, you know, but that, that's a, that's actually something I got to do in the game too, Michael, is I, I forget asking you guys is uh, when you guys are do a high G burn for a long time, I was going to ask yeah. you, what is your character's personal injury? Like what, like in the books they describe each person kind of has like a quirk when they're, when they're burning uh-huh. hard, like one of the characters is like his, uh, one of his kneecaps dislodges when he's burning. Oh, and so, I like that. So yeah. So it's kind of like, but, but, but he's talking about, it's just a quirk of his body. So like he yeah. knows in later in life his knee's gonna suck, but like the G the burn kind of reveals the the parts of your body that aren't gonna be good when you're older. So like I'm kind of right. curious like what like does something dislodge or like you know does like your sternum you know crack a little bit? Well, you know I, I gotta ask you guys that at some point. Oh, I love that. I, I'm totally gonna de- definitely gonna think of some grotesque. That. <laughs> I mean, it can be, it can be anything. It's really it's kind of a fascinating question. Yeah. I like it. I don't want to cool. know these things about myself just yet. <laughs> and being being in space, it's just it's just it's just you and gravity or air or something, man. It's it's hard. That's why I like it. I like how like I like how lethal like like how like we like the expanse is like yeah, humans in an environment that just wants to kill them. Like it's just every every single corner like is you don't get to live here. Uh, everything's hard. So we have that. We've had that conversation. Like, you get shot in a vac suit, you're not just bleeding, but you're suffocating too. So, like, how do you manage that stuff? Oh. Quickly and with we- desperation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're yeah, always so- like, if we do get sh- shot in our vac suits, we're always like, oh, can we repair it? Uh, we run back to the ship. Like, we're just, yeah, we're terrified. You have like the patch kits. You can patch it, but it takes a round of patch. Like, you have to eat your whole next round patching. All right, so uh, so yeah, man. What else? Uh, what else do you want to talk about with the show or anything else? I'm sorry, sure, I keep on sure. rant on here. I actually wanted to ask Michael, how did you get started in tabletop gaming? Well, you know, I, I, when I was a really young, I you know, I would always, I was always going to comic book stores, and I think I bought the Red Box at probably like a Walden Ooh. Books. But I've always, I mean, the original Dungeons Dragons, I was always obsessed with, like cover art, books, everything, and. And I was lucky where my dad would buy, you know, if I went to a bookstore, that's the book I would, you know, he'd be like, buy three books. And I'd just pick, you know, Monster Manual and this and that. And um, that was the first table, like tabletop role-playing game. And then, I mean, I play, I grew up with tons of board games. So we were always constantly playing various board games as well. Excellent. And um, I actually had a summer school class that was about making Dungeons and Dragons characters. And so I convinced my mom to let me take it. And we all we did we got dice we had sheets and like that I, that's all I remember about is that we we made characters and um, then I always just DM'd my own games or literally played by myself I was a DM and had my you know four sheets and just talked to my sister would walk in the room and I'd just be talking to myself and just playing in my mind so that is a delight. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see. Uh, what do we got next? Well, very good. Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, when slash where did the idea for this show start? Uh, so last year during the pandemic, uh, so I, I, I've been very anti, uh, running games online or via digital means. Uh, I don't, I'm not a big virtual tabletop guy. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not fond of them. Um, and I'm not a big fan of like, you know, I, I have to use zoom for my classes right now to teach them and everything like that. And hopefully I'll be back in person here in a few weeks. But, um, uh, so I started, I started kind of running games on, I, I ended up having to run some games online. My, my home game went hybrid. Where only uh, two of my players were coming in person, um, and the then I, I end up kind of thinking about well, I have all these like friends online that like that I know play D and D, and they've been fans of your stuff I've put out, or uh, we've we've chatted out whatever, and so I started I decided to do an all online game with some people, uh, a lot of people who I've never played with, and we had a blast. We played a game over summer last year; it was awesome, um, and from there. Um, I ended up running another game um, uh, online, uh, and I went. I ended up inviting like all these people from the heavy metal community that do art or whatever it was. So that was Michael actually. Uh, the show called we called it Under the Eyes as a Hosh, and that was Michael, uh, Jerry, aka Wormwalk, Andrea from Holy Grove, Dominic, who's the president of Alternative Tentacles, um, and we had some other people that kind of came in and out. But like uh, we, right. we did that. What's that? You had Michael Freiberger too, right? Yeah, Freiberger came on. That's right. Yeah, Michael Freiberger from uh, uh, Satanic Royalty Records. Um, they all they all came on, and we we played kind of like they wanted to play this like brutal like Conan ish like game, and I made it pretty brutal for them. Uh, it was kind of a fun, refreshing game. It wasn't like it was narrative based, but it was like they let me like take the kid gloves off, like, and you know, it was pretty R rated, we'll say. Um, and so we turned that into a show shortly after. I was recording the sessions, and I decided to turn it as a show and put it on YouTube. And then I started like streaming on Twitch. Um, and uh, so that was like kind of the first show I did. And then I, I was I've been doing another show with my buddy Tucker from Throne of Iron, which is Heavy Metal Dungeon Masters. But I wanted to do another RPG show, but I didn't want to do a D and feel like there's a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. There's tons and tons of Dungeons and Dragons stuff out there, and I love Dungeons and Dragons. But I, I was like, I didn't want to just do another one. And so I started looking back at the, the Expanse and kind of realizing there aren't as many sci-fi streams. Um, I went and looked for Expanse streams and kind of like uh, checked them out to see what they were. And there wasn't any of them that I found. They, some were pretty good. There's some really good ones. But a lot of them were just doing these short games. They would play like maybe three to four sessions and then quit. And they were doing kind of like, they were kind of let's play. Let's open the box up and play the game and then we're done. Um, and I want, and I'm more of a long form guy. Like my, my home D and D game is on year three and a half and it's a sequel to a two and a half year campaign. So like, I'm try, I, I really, really like the long form stuff. And so I wanted to see a long form expanse game. There is one, there is one out there. Um, and, but it's, it, they, they've spun it off. It's it like incorporates a lot of different sci-fi. So it's like there's like lots of aliens and it's not as hard sci-fi as as the expanses, but they use the system. Um, and so but I wanted to do like hard expanse game. Uh, and so that's what I kind of want. I kind of started throwing together and checking out, kind of probing out there to see who it was and who wanted to play. I don't think, Michael, did, before I asked you, had you watched the expanse or check out the books? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when we, you were starting the game, you had asked me and, and like I think me and my wife, we just finished like the entire season. And um, that's actually was my first introduction to it. And then I, of course, I, when I found out there were books, I mean, that's just, it's on my book stack that I want to read. Um, definitely. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's where I kind of was hooked. I saw the show. And when you mentioned it, I was like, Oh, I definitely want to play and I want to be a belter. <laughs> I knew immediately. Yeah. I think that's kind of how the show came about was um, I wanted to do another show, but I didn't want to do, D and D, and I wanted to find something that's that kind of niche, and I wanted to do something I was more passionate about. And I really, really like the expanse because, like, so I teach uh, writing at the University of California, Merced, but one of my classes I teach is writing for engineering, and so I'm really, really fascinated by like tech and stuff like that too. My, my backgrounds, I have graduate degrees in both like arts and sciences, and so I really I used to work at the lib the engineering library at UCLA, and so I love the kind of weird problems and stuff that comes up and think of solutions for things. 
And so that's why I like the expanse. They come up with all these kind of clever solutions to things. And I, I like to flex that kind of muscle of mine, um, thinking about ways to solve weird issues and such like that, too. And you, a good episode, a good issue with that was like when Satine was there, her, um, I, I, I've been really fascinated by soft robotics. So these are robots that like are flexible and they, they inflate. And so when she wanted this drone, I was going to make a little micro drone, kind of like a generic one. But I was thinking, well, why don't we make it something different, like a soft robot? And how that would work. And I was like, well, you have a low gravity. Like, you don't need a lot of force to get the thing to fly. If you have atmosphere, it'll fly on nothing. And so, and also looking into, like, stuff like biomimicry with engineering, um, I mimicked it off of, like, uh, moon jellies. So it looks like a moon jelly fish. Um, and it's about, it's about that big, about, you know, maybe, like, uh, two inches in diameter. But it can flatten itself out. And um, so it could go under doors and stuff like that, too, and, and uh, you know, have some basic sensors on it, too. So it's, that's kind of what, like, I like thinking of solutions like that. And these are real technologies that we have. We're just not to that degree yet. Very cool. You know, I actually had that thought while I was listening to your live stream was that, hey, you know, this drone's probably having a pretty easy time in low gravity. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, 12% gravity, I mean, like, the, the amount of thrust you need to get, like, so, like, the way that it flew was it didn't have a propeller, it just kind of, kind of flapped itself, you know, and, like, I mean, you wouldn't need a lot of propulsion to get yourself off, off the ground in, in zero G with atmosphere like that, I mean, the, the show does a good job of that, with like, the bird that's flying and series station, it only has to flap its wings, like, once every three seconds or something to keep afloat, you know, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it'd be easy, especially with biomimicry, it's, it's, like, uh, you know, trying like like a jellyfish in water. I mean, that's that's the best I can describe, like a moon jelly. Gotcha. I really, really like. Uh, I don't know why, but the office building style of Starship enchants me. I really like the idea of the the thrust creating the sort of pseudo gravity, and folks just yeah. climb up ladders or go upstairs to get to different parts of the ship. I just found that real fascinating. I like it because it's like, um, I describe them like wizard towers. Like when the, the ships of the expanse book came out, it has that, that book has maps. Uh, we got preview copies of that, but it has maps of all the ships, including like the Doniger. And it has, I mean, book. each level is mapped. So all 112 levels of the Doniger are mapped out. And, and the maps look like a wizard tower map from D and D. Yeah. And like, here's your staircase, here's your staircases, here's your elevator shafts, all that kind of stuff. Like that too. It's pretty cool to see. Like, so but it makes sense. It's, it's a clever way to build, to build ships. There are so many floors on that ship, it's terrifying. Donnie, man. <laughs> I've been climbing the Donager forever. I, I, yeah. I think the Donager has... I think it has, uh, like, six elevator shafts on it, though. Like, there's three that go halfway through, or, or through command, and then there's, like... Or there's two that go through, I think, command, and there's three that go through, um... Up back to the back of engineering, stuff like that. So it's got, like, lots of these kind of turbo shafts and everything like that, too. Like even the um, that's one thing on the show they haven't shown is like an, on in the books like the Rosinanti has a lift so like there's a ladder that goes up and down it but there's also a lift that can that, that can activate on that and can re can assemble and like take people up and down, um, so yeah I mean, there's a lot more like accessibility than like the show portrays but then again I mean, it's Hollywood they 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 got to make it look good you know so mm -hmm. <laughs> or Canada for that matter All right. Uh... <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually heard about the Expanse first because of the role-playing game. Fun fact: uh, I had, uh, I'm not really wow. sure how I managed to make that happen, um, but I was following the Age games very closely, and the Expanse came up, I think, in the Green Running blog when they got the license, and I was like, "Cool, we got Space Age happening. What's this all about?" Uh, and it, it, what, it only took me several months before I actually cracked open one of the books. Uh, and I I don't have Amazon Prime, so I, I can't really easily access uh, the show. Unless it's somewhere else that I'm not aware of. Not sure right now. I'm not sure offhand, actually. Yeah. So I, when I was watching it, it was, it was when it was still on sci-fi. Um, gotcha. And then Amazon picked it up. Uh, that was a big thing. The Screaming Firehawks got it back, you know, so that was a big thing. But what, what's fascinating about the RPG, though, is this. Um, is so if you look at the books, like every book has to get James S. A. Cor uh, Corey's approval. Uh, yes. They Green Ronin can't just put out what they want. They have to get approvals by the authors of the book, and so they they do kind of work closely with them. The other thing too is there hasn't been really been like an expansion book. Like if you look at Star Wars or Star Trek, you can go down to like Barnes and Noble and you can buy 
a book of source material of all the ships of whatever a history whatever you want no problem the expanse hasn't done that the closest thing was the art book but even that was too kind of all over the place it's more about the style um and engineering a little bit but the rpg book is actually like the only place that has like the definitive like history authoritatively put into it um explaining kind of what exactly happened with mars and the un to get mars to be to no longer be a colony um and put it explicitly and then in addition, Ships of the Expanse is the first book that actually goes through and shows what all the ships are like inside, how they function, um, all that stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of a cool, like, um, I think the RPG has really done a good job of both getting people that are into the RPG community into the Expanse, but also getting people that are into the Expanse into the RPG community. So I kind of, I kind of like that crossover element they have going on. I think that's really clever. Excellent. I do like that. Uh, what uh, else? What other little things we got here? Uh, so, uh, this is a, a podcast that we talk all about all the age, all the time. Uh, so, uh, what other age games have you folks managed to get a hold of? Uh, Michael, have you played any other ones? This was my first one, and, and I have okay. to say, like, that's what, I really enjoyed the system. I mean, I hadn't played Dragon Age, um, I hadn't played any other, now I'm, like, more curious about these other games, actually, I, I really want to try out and play them, but um, this was my first kind of experience with it, and it's it's been really smooth, and it's just, I like, I do like how quick and fluid it is, and it's just, you know, three dice, you, yeah. you can look at it, you know, quick math, and it just keeps moving, so it's it's refreshing. I, yeah, so I played Dragon Age, as I mentioned, and then... Um, I haven't played any of the other ones, to be honest. Um, I have looked at Modern because I wanted to get... A, so one of the, I will say that I do have a major critique of the Expanse role-playing game, and it's this. There's no mention of cybernetics in the, in the books at all. And they do factor into the show and the, and the, the uh, books a bit. Like, they mention it off the bat. Like, there's, like, uh, spinal stabilizers and stuff like that. So I feel like they haven't really gone too much into that. Um, so I went into the, the, the Modern book, Age book, to go try to find information about that stuff. In addition, uh, the weaponry in the Expanse role-playing game is generic. So basically, you have, you have like pistols, you have rifles, that's pretty much it. Um, where like there's no like shotgun rules or machine gun rules. But I also like that they keep it simple. Like you either have like a long arm or you have a handgun. That's pretty much it. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with keeping it simple like that. Um, but uh, the the one I have looked at that I actually tempted to pick up was the Lazarus, the Lazarus game because I like that comic book series a lot. I was going to suggest um, that one, actually. My, so it was funny, so it was funny about Lazarus. What's that? I was going to suggest that one, actually, if you didn't, because that one has cybernetics in it, as does the, uh, I believe, yeah, Threefold, also includes cybernetics. Yeah, so what's funny about what's funny about Lazarus is that Lazarus, the, so I, I read the comic book, I, I like the comic book a lot, um, also because some of it took place where I live, actually, here in the Valley. Oh. Um, but Greg Rucka wrote that and created that, and then Rucka... Uh, wrote uh, Batwoman with my buddy J.H. Williams III, who's a comic book artist, who's the one that got me into The Expanse, actually. Oh, very good. So it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and then, but uh, I wanted to look at that one. Uh, and Michael, I think you'd like Dragon Age, but also just the Fantasy Age system is good by itself. I think you, you'd have a blast with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I really haven't met a game I didn't like, to be honest. Fantastic. Well, I, I, could change, I could change your mind on that, dude. I could show you RPGs you would hate. <laughs> Like I can, I, we can play some games that you like. You'll be like, "Why are we like?" And and that's one thing I like about the age system is that. So I, I talk about this a lot when I talk about like kind of RPGs uh, history. Is um, the, there's a there's a there's a spectrum in RPGs, and it goes like this: one end you have simulation, this end you have narration. And so initially, with someone like Gygax, is he's very much a simulator, and that's what people kind of like don't understand about his design theory. It's simulation; he's not really concerned with storyline. That comes later. Um, where contemporary Dungeons and Dragons is very narrative based, and age system is very narrative based. I would never consider the age system a simulation based system. It, it, it it's not built for that at all. I uh, think that it's a uh, it's an excellent, at least for me, an excellent sort of midway point between the crunchy games and fluffy games. Uh, it it's it's very it gives you some good scaffolding so that you've got a lot of uh, sort of structure to run things but it's also extremely good at getting out of your way yeah so i i I'd put like so here's like simulation here's like narration i'd probably put um age around like my right shoulder over here i'd probably put it around here somewhere between over here it's, it's more to the narrative directory than, than simulation where like a game like 
if you want to play a hard simulator game, play uh, maybe my you play Rollmaster. What's that? Rollmaster, R O L L. So it was like this. Like, it's this like when you hit someone in that game, it isn't just you hit them and do damage. It tells you like what body part you hit, and then based on the damage you roll, like what you do to that body part. I mean, it is like it is in depth. Um, and yeah. we play, I played it once when I was in high school, and like our combat took us like four hours to do. Um, and it was gritty, and like, and once once it was done, we had a kind of a cool idea of what happened, but it took forever to play it. And so, but that's a hard simulator game. And so, I think that's that's kind of the, the the third part of the trifecta. If you want it in the spectrum, is that you have time. So, like, you're going to have like simulator that doesn't that, that takes like if you're going to have if you're going to have a lot of narration simulation, you want to have both together. You're going to lose time. So it's kind of an interesting kind of like way to think about it. And I think the age system does a good job. I place them over here, kind of like like minimal, like really good on time and really good on narration. Um, and the simulation is adequate enough to tell the story and to kind of like do that too. I also like I also like this three six because that gives you a bell curve um, versus yes. that linear element. I think that's a huge that's a huge thing too. Is like success is a bell curve, not a you know because in D and D your chances of getting a critical hit and your chances of like getting a, a complete failure on a hit is equal. They're five percent each side. So. I uh, I very much enjoy the the bell curve. It um, it definitely makes an age game feel like it's focused more on how well you succeeded at something rather than focusing on the sort of yes no. Well, what's interesting about that bell curve though too is that, like there's not as much relation of that bell curve to the degree of success because like you can roll like let's say you have a target number of twelve and you you roll a total of twelve. Um, but let's say when your, your draw dies is six, that's actually better than rolling a seventeen, where one of the dice is a five, or the, the draw dies a five. And that's a really kind of weird thing for people to get into is they they, they always think, oh, I got higher is better, but you get you roll high and not do that well. Um, it's kind of a shocking random uh, element, and I, I found that really interesting. Um, it's different. I like that. Have any either of you? Uh, yeah, I definitely ever feel like I fail less. What's up, Michael? Sorry, I said I definitely feel like I fail less in the game. <laughs> Very it's because you guys pick and choose your battles, man. You guys each pick who's going to do what. Like, I think that's I think that's more what it is. Yeah, except when the churn happens, and then well, the churn happens, just go wrong. That that's the big mechanic. That's the big separating mechanic is the churn. No, like I like it because it's kind of like the inevitability of stuff's going to be bad. The that like you're in space and there's just kind of like an inevitable random element of chaos you cannot control that'll eventually happen to you. We are planning on including uh, a sort of a, a similar mechanic. It we're we're basically stealing the churn uh, for my fantasy age game. We're going to be renaming it and uh, reworking how it works just a little bit. Um, particularly, uh, some of my players are concerned about. Uh, the the um, we're calling it right now the, at least the working title for it is the encroaching malice, uh, but mm-hmm. one of my players uh, two of my players have brought up rightfully that um, one of our characters is a fate mage or has access to fate magic which helps guarantee that her and her friends uh, will get good stunt die results if she rolls very well in the casting she can just give her friends the ability to to declare. I got a six on the spirit die. Oh, that's what we call it in my games. We call it so many names. There's so many names for that extra little die. So they're rightfully <laughs> concerned that should we add it, it will blast off into the sky. Yeah, I think it's. I I, I like it because it, it's. And what I've had the uh, that's actually one thing I've talked about with my game is I might need to make the churn more explicit when it happens and what kind of goes on with that. Yeah. But I also feel like a lot of times the churn is something you don't see in front of you. Because um, like one of the one of the descriptions of one of the elements is like someone who was like neutral to you now doesn't like you, and it's like you don't know that they don't like you. You know they may have found something or looked into your past and found something disagreeable. You know, um, or like someone put a, you know said the wrong thing and it made them think things through differently. So I think that's kind of an element I like about it that it doesn't have to be explicit. Um, plus, I can't always think of the thing on the, on the spot. So 
Yeah, it's my favorite part of the game when we play is just like pushing the churn and seeing what happens because I, it's like I, you want to know what kind of disaster happens and, and then how we all handle it or, you know, what, what it kind of uh, manifests into. I think it's really interesting to see what the churn actually, you know, is. Is it a guy who comes in and throws a grenade? Is it people not showing up to the yeah, art yeah. show I had? <laughs> like, oh, so no. it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, Good stuff. But uh, the right. churn has been borrowed already by Blue Rose. They call it the Rising Shadow. And uh, we're going to be probably stealing it and probably adjusting it a little bit just so that it uh, isn't... So that we aren't hitting the that 30 rating in every session because the Fate Mage is playing with Fate. <laughs> We'd appreciate that. Uh, but I mean, you can always <laughs> make the scale bigger, too. Like, the 30 is kind of a... It, it is kind of a... Tr it does turn over once they have a 30... The 30 isn't necessarily that bad. Like they, they've managed a 30 before. I, I, I find they can deal with it as long as they're kind of smart about it. And also like, it can also happen at times where like, it's kind of a lull in the game. It's kind of a small point. Um, so that's kind of another element too, is like how much of the chaos do you try to control at what time? Like when do you let it really unfold on you and such? Yeah. And that 30 churn hits. Uh, and then we all bust out in demons. Oh, Hey, the Duke in purple. Glad you could join us. Hey, the busting out in demons um, part is of course the dragon age part. But we also put up. Uh, I threw a link in the chat real quick. Uh, we you can find us. Uh, you can find us at Abrax's Precipic. Like we had, a, we had, I had to truncate it. I had to lose the e um, for everything. But uh, you can find us anywhere on there. Uh, if you just look at if you just look up Abrax's Precipic, you'll find us anywhere. Um, but uh, we also do a Patreon, and on our Patreon we have bonus episodes. So that's been a fun thing too, is trying to explore those backgrounds with the characters. Um, I'm, I'm big when I DM is that I don't like ask people like tell me everything about your character. I'm more interested in like having that unfold as the game goes on, um, along with like uh, revealing it other places too. So like we wanted to make sure that people that want to do a bigger delve could do a bigger delve uh, with it too. So, Very good. Um, but yeah, that's that's a, the best way to support us is our Patreon by far. And uh, it, that one is Patreon.com/slash/AbraxisPrecipice with an E. Yeah, yeah. I put up in the I put up the link tree, which has links to gotcha. everything in there. So that's our best way to find us. You can go from there and find everything you need. Um, link tree has been by far one of my favorite things in the last like two years. <laughs> it, it makes it easy very, very to get handy. everything around. Super simple. But yeah, we, we have a lot of plans on the horizon too. You were you were kind of asking about uh, that was something that was kind of talk about the future the future here because uh, I know I know you only got so much time on the on the pod here today, but um, I. Right now, uh, our big plan is uh, we plan on going. We have no limit of how long we're going to go for right now. Uh, we have actually planned out stuff through January. Yeah, our so so Donna once again, who we talk about is awesome. Uh, Donna is the she she runs a convention called OrcaCon up in uh, yes. Bellevue, Washington. I'll put a link to that in the chat. Uh, and it's a really like hyper inclusive. Uh, it's she basically made the the convention she wanted to make. Um, and it's got a lot of, she's got some, uh, they got some really big people on the, on the board for that too. Um, I know, I think, uh, Tani DePass is on the board and I think, um, there's someone else. I can't remember who else was on there. Um, but, uh, bringing a lot of guests and such, I, I know Green Ronin kind of does a show in there as well. Cause they're local to that, that spot. Um, but we're going to do, uh, at the convention, uh, we're going to do Abrax Precipice live in front of the audience. Um, we're not sure if we're going to, uh, we're probably just going to record it and broadcast it that Wednesday. Um, cause I don't know if I want to try to, I don't know if I want to try to trust the, the Wi-Fi at a hotel convention, uh, to stream my game, <laughs> to stream my game. Um, but I'm more inclined just to record it and then, um, go back and clean it up and, and post it that week. But yeah, we're all actually, all of us right now are pretty much on target to go. Trust in that hotel Wi-Fi is when the churn hits 30. Yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's always churning. Um, <laughs> yep. We got that. We have more guests. Um, I just confirmed another guest for September, another, a pretty good name. Someone uh, that's very prevalent in the community. We're, uh, that one I'll probably reveal. I don't have a date for them yet, but I'll reveal it probably when we come back before the end of the month. Um, this, this week we have um, uh, Brianna Fl Flame, who is a producer for the Initiative Order. Uh, she's also an ambassador for Jasper's Game Day. And she's been a longtime friend too, uh, someone in the RPG community, uh, and been super cool. And I wanted to get them in. And she's actually one of the 
one of the people I asked to, to join the crew initially, but she's very busy. And I was like, okay, don't worry about it then. And uh, but she wanted to play. That's kind of been the attitude. Once people kind of like, uh, there were people that asked who to play. And they said they, they couldn't do it, but then they saw the cast and they just saw the game being played. And they're like, oh, now I want to play. And I'm like, well, I got I got such a guest slot, man. Like, you got you got a guest now. I'll get you out in the future. So, um, it's it's been kind of cool. Uh, do we have anything else, Onyx? Like, or Michael? What? I'm trying to think. Um, I, I know you said the uh, OrcCon. That's going to be super fun and exciting. And then just, I don't know, man. Every time you bring Orca, yeah, sorry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, every time you bring a guest, and I think that's always kind of a nice treat and uh, sort of a surprise. It puts us on our toes too because we have no idea, you know, if the guest is going to live or the guest is going to stay or die or, you know, or what's going to happen. So that, that's actually my my trick is when, when I do character generation with the uh, the guests, I actually ask them up front, "Can I kill your character?" <laughs> and uh, I asked Ross that up front, and he was like, oh, yeah. And then Satine and Jameson were like, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. But I, they, the funny thing was that, like, Jameson was, like, super into it. And he's like, I kind of want to come back. I, I think I might want to play this again. And I was like, well, then I can't kill your character, dude. Like, so, why, you know, uh, it's, it's gonna be, I don't want to make you a new character next time. So we'll, we'll kind of we'll roll with that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, like I kind of like that dynamic of it too. It's it's kind of a fun fun thing to do. Uh, the other thing we have yeah. on the horizon is we're we have them in production right now. We'll hopefully have them. I think we'll probably have them in October. Uh, is we're actually making like custom dice sets for ourselves uh, with our logo on it. We just paid for those actually, um, and we're going to use those for giveaways. Giveaways are a big thing too. Um, uh, because of the Patreon, because of support on Twitch, uh, we've. We we have enough stuff to give away for uh, a fair amount of time, and we've actually done. We're actually, it's been very good. To, like everything we've got, we reinvested back into the the cast. So, um, but our big trip is um, because we like one of the first things I ordered up was uh, these patches. So I got like a bunch of different like patches for like stuff from the show to give away, and uh, I figure people like those because like you know they can either like cosplay with them or put them on their bag or for put them sure. on a board or. It's something kind of cool and physical. They're also um, uh, they're also super cheap to ship. Heck yeah! <laughs> you know, that's perfect. That sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, I'm I've been a little sad that I've uh, only been hearing about these giveaways, uh, you know, weeks after the fact. But uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to jump into the next one. Jump in the show, go in there. All you gotta just throw the word of the night. Uh, into the chat, and uh, we always kind of make it some fun. People always ask me like, "What's going to be?" Um, my favorite was when was when um, Satine James and I was on, and the word was shipyard, and and like I think it was you, Michael. You're like, "Oh man, is that like a hint of like what's going to happen?" And I was like, yeah. and then like I opened up the scene. I'm like, "Yeah, you guys are in Callisto, which is the biggest <laughs> shipyard for the Martians." And and like it's like that's you guys all know the shipyard. Like it's not a secret. <laughs> He's making on so there's a clue there. there. There's a clue, and yeah. I was like, "No, yeah, I want a clue next time, John." One you want a clue? Okay, you want me to do some like hardcore occult, like secret world like, yeah. spacing, and I'll be like, "Oh no, what's gonna happen?" You know, it's just something to put us on edge. I don't, I don't know how much more time we have, Ren, but like, because I got a lot more I could talk about. Like, if you want to get into like words and stuff, man, I could talk about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, we could throw out the next word of onomatophobia. The folks who get to enter the oh, your sounds, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, spooks. Folks. Is, is that what that is? That's not what that is, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's uh, I think it's actually this uh, the fear of how words sound. Don't quote me on that. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, we um. Well, it was funny because one of the questions like I asked a while back was uh, about the name of the show Abrax Precipice. Because uh, we actually. Uh, we pitched a few different names. Um, the other one was Moloch's Gambit, and uh, we wanted a name that was kind of reflective of like the book titles, which are all kind of these like uh, Babylonian or Mesopotamian god stuff going on, like Tiamat's Wrath, Persephone's Rising. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, one's the, the one's probably the most recent is like Caliban, which is out of like Shakespeare, but like. Um, you know, like you name your book Tiamat's Wrath. That's a fucking fantasy novel, dude. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> that's like yeah. that's like giggling. Like that's that's what that is, you know. And then, um, 
you know, the last one was Leviathan Falls is coming out here soon. So it's it's kind of interesting, like, um, but I went with Abraxas because, like, it's this kind of Gnostic idea. Um, and, you know, I got, I got a tattoo of Abraxas on my shoulder here. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of, like, weird um, entity that, that kind of represents, like, the space of the divine. And then the precipice being, like, the edge, of the, basically the edge of the space of the divine is what the, what the name means. Um, and that's why I think a big element of, like, the... Um, See, Michael's smiling because, like, so Michael, Michael, like, like knows some occult, occult stuff too. Uh, if uh, what's funny is, I, I know Michael. The reason I met Michael is I met you through. I met you through knowing who your wife is, because yeah. your wife is like this big time jewelry maker for like. If you're like, like, if you want to do some witchcraft, then go buy her jewelry because it it helps you with the witchcraft. Hmm. Uh, she makes yeah anthems and swords and battle axes and I mean yeah. Michael was like cool things being made. <laughs> Michael's like character made this like pistol out of like toilet parts basically, and um, he was like, "I want to see if like, I don't know if I can make one." He's like, "I'm not sure if I can like make one of those in my own house." I'm like, "Dude, your wife has tools to make battle axes in the house. Like, you can make a fake looking pistol. Like, yeah, like, you can do this. like she makes gem encrusted battle axes, and like, <laughs> you can make like a piece that looks like it's made out of toilet parts, buddy. Like, <laughs> gem encrusted Glock is quite the statement." It is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we, um, so that's, that's how I knew. I, I saw her, I saw Michael's art through her Instagram. And then I jumped on Michael, liked his stuff too, and started talking to him. And found he's like this cool metal dude. Uh, you got the Jewish priest hat, which represents for me nicely because priest rules. Uh, I'm going to go on, I'll go on record and tell you that the Jewish priest is the best metal band of all time. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Iron Who? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of how we kind of how we hooked up and such like that too. And then, but the occult element with like the name was a big thing for me too. Uh, and and it, it played out pretty well. And the names, I, I'm actually very happy with the name and the the AP kind of element worked out pretty well too. So I, that's kind of where the name comes from. This this idea of like the edge of the divine, like where where we go over once the divine spills over. And I think it's a big part of the expanse is like, what do you do when you like change everything when something comes about that like just complete changes the rules of the game, ergo the churn. Um, yeah, there, there, there's a question. What happens when the divine goes for the churn? Mm. You get Tiamat's wrath, right? Uh, <laughs> oh man! So, all right. Yeah, I, I can I can talk about any of this stuff for a long time. So, I appreciate it. That's kind of how a podcast goes. Uh, we fill it with things to talk about. Uh, but we are coming up on the end of our show. Uh, it has been uh, a joy to have you on, and. Uh, I guess one more time so that the folks in the back can hear it. Uh, where can folks watch and or support you? Yeah, so uh, you can find uh, Abrax's Precipice on uh, twitch.tv slash onlyplaywizards uh, on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can also, if you use Google Abrax's Precipice, uh, you probably want to look at the title of this episode to be able to spell it correctly. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can find us anywhere. Uh, we have a link tree through all our different social media links and such like that. You can go and support us. You can go watch back episodes. Uh, you can check out our Discord server. Um, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, that's the best place to find them. Michael, where can they find you, man? Um, I'm, you'll find me on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at Michael C. Shung. I've just made it my first, middle, and last name, and that applies to everything. So you could type that same handle into Instagram, see some art. Um, and st stuff like that. Yeah, you'll find me there. I did I'm take a look at uh, only play wizards everywhere. I did take a look at Michael's Instagram, and I really dig the crystal wizard vibe. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, right now I'm currently just it, I'm just obsessed with that. So I I keep drawing renditions, and you know, just I just draw it until it goes away. Who knows when that'll be? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of going away. Uh, should probably start figuring that out for ourselves. Uh, I'm so glad that you folks could join us. It was uh, it was such a big surprise, uh, uh, John, when you offered to uh, come on the show. Um, we have not we've not really had this many uh, guests on at once, and uh, certainly we haven't uh, reached out to a lot of actual plays to get so much in depth coverage. So this is very exciting. It's a first for us, and we really appreciate you folks coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us on. It was easy. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Anything, anytime I get to hang with Michael, Michael's like super easy to talk at. Ah. <laughs> I, hey, I'm a great <laughs> listener. I'm a great listener, and 
John is just so knowledgeable. You guys both are. It's just, I, I like to soak in all this information. So it's really good. Very good. Well, uh, I think that that is going to just about do it for us. Um, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that stunt die. Uh, did you folks want to have a, a quick sign off? Uh, uh, watch our show. Abrox Express. Boya dang, Colmang. Oh, I forgot to your belter. I forgot your belter so good. <laughs> Belt and loader. Right. Thank you for listening to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. If you support us at only $3 per month, you could vote on our Patreon-only poll, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. Anything you can contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog in the post for this show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our Facebook or Twitter. Feel free to leave a comment or a question, or even tell us how your age games are going. We do love to hear. Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts. It really helps us out. The music and sound effects you heard on the show all came from Sirenscape, the legendary program for providing sound effects and music for your tabletop games. You can get started for free if you want to try it out first, and subscribing gives you wider access to the impressive and still-growing library of sounds for fantasy, sci-fi, modern, superhero, horror, and other types of games. Take a listen to Sirenscape, my friends, because your epic games need epic sound. This is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that stunt die. Please take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time.